You're tuned in to the Kojo Namdi Show from WAMU 88.5. Welcome. Today we'll get a debriefing on the D.C. Public Service Commission's approval of the PEPCO Exelon deal, and we'll discuss a proposed cap on city spending for the Washington Wizards facility in southeast D.C. But first, Anacostia Unmapped. It gives me a different vibe, a more chill-out vibe. You know, I can relax. I can go on the hill and look at the city, the view of the city, I can go to Anacostia Park and have that view by the water and feed the ducks with my kids. Like, that's really dope. <laughs> so it it's like a little <laughs> treasure for me now. Anacostia Unmapped is a new project that invites WMU listeners to rethink what they know about a historic neighborhood on the banks of the Anacostia River. Over the last four months, a playwright, a housing organizer, and the owner of a community radio station have been recording interviews with their neighbors, often starting with a simple question, what does this neighborhood mean to you? It was just fun, you know, double dutch. Every neighborhood had a new addition group. Like, you know, I, I was in two. So in one group, I was Ralph. In another group, I was Mike. Every neighborhood had a go-go band. Anacostia Unmapped invites people to show us their Anacostia. And joining me in studio are the project's three contributors, Kimon Freeman, Skylar Pondexter-Moore, and John Johnson. Welcome. Let's hear your voices individually. Hi, John. How's it going? It's going pretty good. Skylar, how's it going for you? How you doing, Kojo? I'm doing well. Come on. Angry black man in therapy. <laughs> this project is built around an interesting idea about who gets usually to tell the story of neighborhoods that are rapidly transforming and how it affects the way we see places like Anacostia. The theory, if people who actually live and work in Anacostia held the microphones, if the experts were neighbors talking to neighbors, we'd end up with a different sounding story than if we just assigned a reporter or maybe a talk show host to cover it from the outside. Before we jump into our normal interview, I wanted to play two excerpts of interviews that you all conducted with each other to set the scene, if you will. Okay, so this is John Johnson with uh, the Anacostia Unmapped Project, and today we have with us... Kimon Freeman, Angry Black Man in Therapy. Okay, Kimon Freeman, when you hear someone say the word Anacostia, what images come to mind? Uh, blight, um, hypocrisy survivors, community, and for me, home, um, because I have um, roots in Anacostia. Um, my great aunt has had a house in Anacostia for over 50 years. My grandfather um, lived here in Anacostia, and I learned how to ride a bike on the streets of Anacostia. Okay, and you, you have a radio station on, on Martin Luther King Avenue. On the radical side of Martin on, Luther King on, Avenue. On the radical side of Martin Luther yeah, King we're Avenue. Yeah, we're on the Beyond Vietnam side of Martin Luther King Avenue. And, and how long have you been at, on MOK? November 11, 2011 at 11 a.m. And so how many interviews have you done in Anacostia? You know, hundreds. Um, hundreds. Um, we're here. You know, uh, one of my great mentors, Howard Zinn, who I had the pleasure of getting to know, uh, he was here to tell um, the, the people speak, which uh, makes sure that the folks who are written out of history get an opportunity to speak. Right. So, so we're and, here to tell the other stories. And, and you and I have had discussions recently about how Anacostia is this hot commodity. Everyone wants to be over here. The developers are salivating at their mouth to get over here and build things over here. So what is necessary? What do you think has to happen in order for the current folks who live here 
to stay in this community and also to benefit from everything that's happening in the city. We need a displacement free zone. We need to redefine our vision of our development without displacement uh, and do what needs to be done to ensure that the people who have been long residents here get to stay here. Uh, where we get a piece of the um, the pie here. Okay, and, and you say you're on the radical side of uh, MLK. So how did you become radical? Were you born out of the womb this way? Did, did this? <laughs> how did this? How did this happen? I would say that I am by and large a product of the Million Man March, October 16, 1995, where the charge to go back to my community and do something. Um, that really changed the way I I saw things. I thought I started dreaming, and then the very next month, I witnessed my cousin being murdered, and I realized that the dream had to become real. And here is Kamon Freeman interviewing contributor Skylar Pondexter Moore about the changes going on in this neighborhood. So tell us, who are you, and why are you a part of Anacostia Unmapped? I guess I'm a part of Anacostia Unmet because uh, when I learned about the project, uh, I wanted to tell the story of where I live through a lens that's not often told. Usually when people talk about Anacostia, the first words they use are drug-infested, crime-infested, poverty-stricken, and I wanted to tell the story of Anacostia, Southeast, and D.C. Uh, through a different lens. So that's why I'm a part of it. What is your issue in the changes that are threatening um, Anacostia that we've seen um, all over the rest of the city? My concern is the city's... how the city feels about low-income people, the city's disregard for low-income people, the city's thoughts on low-income people, the city's treatment of low-income people. My concern is that uh, they not act as if, well, they do. They act as if we don't matter. Um, they act as if we don't have any feelings, that we don't have a soul, that we're not even human. They act like we're disposable, that they can just push us to the side, that uh they will put more money into things like streetcars and stadiums and dog parks and bike lanes and and invest in luxury hotels and condos and subsidized land and give money to people who have money. And then we're met with resistance when we talk about what we need as low income. We want the same opportunities as a billionaire. Why can't we have the same opportunity? Your zip code shouldn't determine what your opportunities are. So that's my concern is that we are not part of this change. The part of the change that we are is to get rid of us. Scarlett, we talk about gentrification a lot these days in Washington to the point that many of us get tired of the conversation. It's beginning to feel a little stale. And yet, listening to your interviews, I hear something a little different. What has surprised you all most in these interviews? What surprised me most in the interviews is that, you know, the it was it was made to seem as if we didn't care about what's happening um, east of the river. You know, it was as if we were just feelingless. We didn't know anything. We didn't care what happened. And when I did talk to people, a lot of people are really concerned about it, but they're just tired of hearing the word, you know, these catchphrases, gentrification, displacement, push out, you know, it's like, that's like catch buzzwords now. And I think people are tired of hearing that versus this is getting ready to happen. This is getting ready to happen versus 
how can we build power to, to fight this? What can we do? Do you have an Anacostia story as a resident or as someone that has visited? What is missing in popular portrayals of Anacostia? Does the Anacostia you know look and sound like the Anacostia most people think they know? Call us, 800-433-8850. You can send us a tweet at Kojo Show. Email to kojo at wamu.org. Or you can share your story with Anacostia Unmapped by going to wamu.org slash unmapped. John, John, this project may have started in November, but you've been interviewing your neighbors in Anacostia literally for years as a playwright who explores neighborhood identity. Here's a clip. Right, Kimon Freeman here with my brother, John Johnson, uh, one of the greatest uh, playwrights in the nation's capital. All right, so John, you, you had a piece that just fascinated me, and it was called I Am Anacostia. Yes. Um, let's, let's start um, a conversation there. Okay. I, I Am Anacostia uh, is a play that was derived from um, just talking to the folks in the community um, oftentimes, you know, African-Americans uh, have a rich oral culture that's not necessarily recorded in the in the uh, history books like most Western stories and things like that. So I wanted to capture the stories of the people who I talk to every day. So we're still dealing with the stigma that's associated with East of the River uh, and people generally refer to Anacostia as if it's all of East of the River. But we have, you know, two theaters here in Anacostia. We have a radio station in Anacostia. We have uh, sit-down restaurants in Anacostia. We have a museum. So there, there is culture here in the midst of the city's worst poverty. I think that what needs to be pointed out is the difference between survivors and victims. What do you say to that? I agree with you, and that's what I'm saying. I think poverty's man-made, and so as as the attitudes and discoveries of, of people change, you know, and the value of the land, and the value of the land changes. I mean, the, my I, I'm, and this is a quote from um from Spike Lee uh, about how white folks have a Christopher Columbus mentality. Everyone knows that Christopher Columbus didn't discover America. But and you can't discover something that has people people already there living and thriving. And it's a cornerstone of white supremacy. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. And I, and that to me that would be the the biggest injustice is for folks who, you know, long term residents who may have lost their kids to the crack epidemics in the eighties or, you know, or, or just just lived in poverty over here in this neglected area. When this community becomes something wonderful, they can't afford to live here. John Johnson, <laughs> Anacostia. All right, thank Unmet. you, Carl. John, I'll ask you the same question I asked Skylar. What surprised you most about these interviews? Um, that people are concerned about their housing, whether they're homeowners or whether they're living in public housing. They feel threatened by this new wave of gentrification or urban renewal. All of these terms are sometimes are tricky. But um, people, people want to, you know, food, clothes, and shelter. You know, when your shelter is threatened, you, 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 you kind of put your peacock feathers up and, you, and you're ready to, to uh, challenge um, these these systems that are kind of making it happen and it just seems like it's just whitewashed like there's no you know like it's this unwritten rule and it's happening all over the country you know what I mean just like the crack epidemic like it happened in every community and then it's like oh this is not systematic you know what I mean people are realizing now that it's systematic and everyone is is aware of it and everyone wants to figure out how they stay and lay their roots because now all the schools are being renovated. The recreation centers are wonderful. You can walk down your street because there are no cracks in the streets now. You know, so people people want to live in D.C. and, and, and enjoy the, the community, the fresh air, the views. 
you know, and we're already struggling to pay these these mortgages or rents. And now all of those things are, are pushing people out. It's economic <coughs> warfare. Okay. Um, surprise us with a poem. Okay. So uh, this is a poem that uh, I feel summarizes basically a lot of the work and interviews that we're doing. Old MacDonald had a farm. But if it was below the Mason-Dixon line, it was probably a plantation. Barry had a farm, too. It was a tobacco plantation. Uncle Sam bought it for blacks' emancipation. No longer slaves. No longer property. Fast forward 2016, Uncle Sam and his relatives want your property. John Johnson, wow. his new poem. He joins us in studio along with Skylar Pondexter-Moore and Camone Freeman. Camone, what surprised you most about these interviews? It, um, it always surprises me that the lion <clears throat> gets to tell his story because it's such a rarity. <clears throat> it's such a rarity to uh, have the opportunity to, to do that. And the fact that um, a lot of people are unwilling to tell their stories. They don't see the value in the telling the stories. They don't think it makes a difference. They don't think their voice counts. They don't think um, it, it is of any significance. Um, those were surprising to me because given the opportunity, a lot of people are, are unwilling or afraid to step up and be heard. Um, they're intimidated by a system that is designed to intimidate them, to devalue them. And so um, what surprised me most is that um, in the midst of that, we're still here. Um, there's a big difference between uh, victims and survivors, and we're here to represent for all those that came before us, and we'll make sure that we uh, get a fair shake going forward. Um, because you know, you know, when we look at uh, all the work that's been uh, went into um, protesting against um, the Pepco Exxon takeover, and and despite all of that, they still ram it down our throats because Federal City Council runs uh, D.C. and now Exxon apparently uh, owns D.C. Um, the little people are going to pay for that. You know, the mayor herself has already said that you know, you'll get ready for a spike. You know, so what can the little people do when big bank continuously takes? Little, uh, big bank takes a little bank. You know, what can we do? And then we have to start by having these conversations. The Pepco Exelon merger is going to be a part of the conversation later in this broadcast. This project is called Un Anacostia Unmapped, partially because this neighborhood is literally unmapped in a variety of ways. When your collaborator, Katie Davis, bought a map of D.C. from AAA, Anacostia was buried underneath the Visitor's Guide legend. Your first essay, come on, which aired yesterday, referred to a real estate map of Washington created by a real estate company called Zumper that somehow left out your neighborhood, but brought Arlington into it. Why do maps matter? My ninth grade history teacher, um, uh, Miss Hunter, uh, educated me to the racist history of um, to uh, uh, cartography. Am I saying that right? Mm -hmm. Correct. Okay. And um, we have maps that show Europe larger than what it is and, and Africa smaller than what it is. Uh, the fact that um, uh, to refer to Europe as a, a continent is an anomaly. Uh, because there's no, uh, it's not a massive body land unto itself. Uh, is no s separation or near separation between uh, Europe and Asia, but no one questions that. Um, it's the rewriting of history. Um, those maps determine how people look at the world, and that's why they make those changes. That's why they 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 they, they exploit the images, and people need to un uh, understand that. I want to give a quick shout out to um, um, Story District that uh, inspired me to write that story. Uh, it used to be uh, Speakeasy. Uh, but um, that, that piece was written for their uh, stories uh, East of the River was performed at the Art Theater, um, DC's other theater. Um, and uh, but you know that that is something that needs to be uh, talked about 
more about who gets to tell the stories and you know when we look at like the walmart abandoned site at uh, uh skyland uh, near anacostia um we're looking to bring a community land trust there and i'm i'm telling you i'm making an announcement on kojo's show that we are writing a letter to the to the mayor and since you got caught with your um with an empty bag holding it for um, when you bent over backwards for walmart we're gonna see if they're gonna make that space available to the community so we can determine our own map and make sure that the people here get to stay here and that money that's been allocated for the development is turned over to this, uh, the community so we can make better use of it. Skyla, everyone in Anacostia seems to feel like the neighborhood is on the verge of a major transformation or that perhaps the transformation is already happening. And you and um, Kimon have both been very active in movements to prevent displacement. Specifically, what's your strategy? We have to look at how to build power. And I think that, you know, people need to understand when I say people, I'm talking about the people who are being directly affected, the low income, people in public housing, people with vouchers, people in shelters, people on the streets, people who are rent burdened, people who are just basically living paycheck to paycheck trying to survive. We have to build power in order to fight this. Now, I don't think that anyone in Anacostia believes that they don't want any type of development. They don't want any type of changes. But what I think what we need is community control over this. You know, they want to bring corporate into Southeast. They want to bring, you know, all these big businesses in the Southeast and developments and things that are not going to empower any low-income resident. You may get a little construction job here. You may get a little temporary job, but that's not empowering anyone. I think the way to fight it is to build power and control what happens in our communities. We don't need a, uh, a wizard stadium. We need housing. We need jobs for people that live there and businesses and opportunities. We don't need corporate to come in and take over our communities and push us out. We need to build the power amongst the low income. That's how we fight it. John, when neighbors talk to one another, whether it's on a street corner or in a barbershop, we reach a level of comfort with people that we know. We share intimate things about our personal lives, our families. But when reporters arrive in a neighborhood like Anacostia from the outside, that dynamic is different, especially when they place a camera or a microphone in front of someone they barely know. For this project, you've been somewhere in the middle. You know a lot of people that you're talking to, and yet you're still using a microphone. How's the, how does that impact the kind of stories you're getting? Um, well, for the folks who I'm comfortable with and um, who, who want to be transparent, they are transparent. I mean, but they're also conversations that happen before the recorder turns on and when it turns off that isn't captured. You know what I mean? Um, and, and, and just in, in, in speaking within lines of everybody else, like Anacostia is the home of Frederick Douglass. So before Barack Obama... You know what I'm saying? Frederick Douglass was the man. You know what I mean? His spirit is what you hear in the voices of the folks who are sitting on the panel with me. You know what I mean? Marion Barry. You know what I mean? So so that 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 fighting for your survival, for your housing, for your lives is what we're talking about. And it, you know, and, and we probably say it so passionately because we're being threatened. You know what I'm saying? We're we're being we're being moved out of the city that has all of this promise and all of these these wonderful things now. So I mean people talk about what they they talk about surviving in their own way you know whether it's having clean water or vegetables to eat or you know um or just being able to you know like the, the anacostia subway station was closed a little while ago none of the residents knew about it you know what i mean like it's just a whole different environment sometimes when because we're neglected and come on i'm reminded that frederick Douglass was the lion of anacostia and you talk about the lion getting the opportunity to tell the story because the hunter side of the story is what we usually hear what we're hearing from you guys now might, in fact, be the lion's story. Absolutely, and here's Roar, because uh, we would not go quietly uh, into the night. Uh, the, the, the problem is that when we talk about the government or big business and um, 
black people and poor people it's like a it's like a uh, paternalistic relationship they treat us like children you know um and you know that relationship has to change and that's what we we're, we're calling out we have to have our own um uh, self-determination for our uh, communities and they're denying that and um that is what is about to change because the we once we start telling our stories then that also uh, uh, redefines who we are and no one can put words in our mouths now so the cat's out the bag and i, I really honor you guys for uh, giving us this platform just to to try to create a, uh, a vision of development without displacement and and change the the direction the city is going in Skylar, sometimes I feel like the way we talk about gentrification is predictable, like everyone is giving us canned answers that we've heard before. Yeah, it's definitely practice. People have their talking points. People have rehearsed it. But I think what the what we need to think about is what is our vision for Anacostia? We know gentrification is coming. We know what the council is up to. We know what the mayor is up to. And I think that's why people are kind of like gentrification overload. Like that's all we're talking about. But let's talk about our vision for Anacostia and imagine what can Anacostia be without displacement, without corporate takeover, without condo takeover, and without basically white folks coming in and pushing us out. What can we visualize for Anacostia to be that will uplift our people? What is your vision? Imagine, dream about it, and let's put it to work and build power behind it versus just keep talking about gentrification is coming, it's coming, it's coming. What is our vision? Let's build on that. What do we want for our people, the potential of the people, not just the land? And I'm afraid we've just about run out of time in this section. Skylar Pondexter-Moore, thank you very much for joining thank us. Thank you. Kamon Freeman, thank you for joining us. Salute. John Johnson, the same to you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Skylar, Kimon, and John are all contributors to Anacostia Unmapped. This show did a series of broadcasts and hosted the mayor for a conversation with residents in Anacostia last April. We learned so much from our time there and heard so many great stories that we're coming back this April. We'll do the show live there for two days and invite you to join us for a community forum at Anacostia Playhouse on Wednesday, April 6th, starting at 6.30 in the evening. We'll discuss crime, policing, and neighborhood safety across the city and the unique issues facing communities east of the Anacostia. More details to come, but let us know you're coming Right now, the event is free, open to the public, but we do ask that you RSVP, and you can do that by visiting kojoshow.org. We're going to take a short break. When we'll come back, we'll talk about that aforementioned development taking place in Ward 8, the Wizards' new facility, who's paying for it, how much, and whether or not it's likely to benefit residents there. I'm Kojo Namdi. 